Welcome to the Johannesburg Church of Christ podcast. In these podcasts, we seek to know Christ and to make him known to all nations and people. May this message transform your thinking in the likeness of Christ as you get to know him more. Hi, we are Frank and Beth Radcliffe. Greetings from the U.S. It's been our privilege to share with you some parenting lessons. And we've been doing this now for about six weeks and we've covered a variety of subjects. We started with the relationship that each of us has with God, building that personal relationship individually. And then for those of us that are married, building it together as spouses. And then the next three lessons we spent talking about family fabric, that working together intentionally within our families to build those bonds that make our families unique and close. And uh, under family fabric, we talked first about developing routines and rhythms for our lives, just our daily living. It builds a sense of security for our children and order within our homes. And then we talked about making special memories, the fun things in our family that we carry on, the traditions and the the happy things. And then finally, we talked about building a spiritual foundation for our family, the the things that really provided the base of who we were. And then in our last lesson, we talked about connections with our children and the communication that it takes to build those strong connections. Today, we're going to talk about the church and the role that takes in building our families. The lessons that we've taught come from Sam and Jerry Lang's books, book, The Essential Eight Principles of a Strong Family. Mm-hmm. Now, we've taken just some bits and pieces of their lessons, and today want to bring it to a conclusion, but we really encourage you to read and use that workbook, both reading the full lessons, but also doing the daily exercises and participating with a family group or a group of of peers in answering the questions and getting that support that you need for your family. You know, as we look at the picture that the Bible paints of the church, It's really cool, some of the illustrations and examples that are used. I don't know if you've thought about those words that are used to describe the church. It, of course, is called the body of Christ. And over in 1 Corinthians 12, it builds out that analogy of how it relates to the body a lot. And then it very specifically states in Colossians 1.24 that it is that body and body of Christ. And then it's called the family of God in passages like 1 Thessalonians 4.10. And then it's called God's household um, over in 1 Timothy 3.15. And then one of my favorite pictures is the one that Peter paints over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and gives that idea that it's very special and regal and just a, a family of people that God has put together. And then, um, you know, one of the, the illustrations that may 
maybe is the most beautiful is when it talks about the church being the bride of Christ. Over in Ephesians 5, we have some allusion to that, but then it's built out in Revelations um, 19, verse 7, and 22, verse 17. So when you think about that picture, a body, a family, a household, um, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and then the bride of Christ. It's a very special place. And as we model that for our children, the question is, how do they see us living that out and living in that very special place? You notice it doesn't anywhere talk about a building. It doesn't talk about an organization or a uh, hierarchy or structure. What it talks about is relationship. What it talks about is God working and moving. And for our family, that's something we so much wanted to model. And it really has been interesting in this time of the pandemic and of worshiping virtually. There's a lot of things about the church that we miss a lot. Mm. We miss the fellowship. We miss the one to one conversations. But I hope within our families that you've been able to model for them that the church is not about a building, not about a structure, not about the leadership, but it's about your family participating together with all of the believers, wherever you are, wherever they are, and building that sense of the church being a very special place that's all about the people. Right. You know, sometimes we may ask ourselves, why did God put us in a church? Why can't we just do this on our, on our own? But he really did have an intent. He had a purpose. And there are a lot of verses that talk about that. But one of my favorites is Ephesians chapter 4. And if you look down um, in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, you'll see a couple things that stand out. This is the section that starts about him talking about the leadership that he's given us. And he says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And notice what he gave them for. It says he gave them to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so there you see that phrase for the church, the body of Christ. And mm -hmm. his reason for putting us all together is that we can be equipped, that we can be prepared to do good works. And those good works can be within our family or those good works can be in the community, wherever God has placed us and called us. And then as you go a little further down, it talks about us becoming mature and being able to handle situations in being in the church. And it says down in verse 15 that we'll grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And so that's our goal. That's what we're working together with within the church to do. Now, the Lang's book has a, a beautiful line that reads like this. It says, The church was planned for God's glory and for our blessing and benefit. Right. And I love that line. Yeah. Um, we, we read in Romans uh, 12, verses 3 through 8, that it is in the church 
that we find our own gifts right. and our talents and our purpose. So again, why the church is so beautiful and so important. Um, I think of our own, one of our own daughters when she was in high school, went to um, Durban, South Africa. Uh, to the on a Hope Youth Corps. Right. And when she left the U.S., she was a typical American teen who loved music and fashion and everything lots cool. Lots of things. Yeah, lots of things. But she came back from that trip a changed person. She, she came back committed to serving others. And she went on to go to um, uh, the university and, and studied and became a licensed clinical social worker. And I feel like God in the church really showed her what her purpose was. Right, right. You know, it's important uh, within our families mm -hmm. that we make the church a real priority right. in, in our lives. You know, we need the church as Christians. And what's interesting is the church needs each individual Christian as well. There's some passages that you're probably very familiar with that talk about that and build that, build that out. Over in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 are verses that you probably know and have heard before. And sometimes they can feel a little bit negative, but I want you to hear the whole verse and hear how positive this is when we make the church a priority. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some as it are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, it talks here about a need for us to meet together. Now, we found out how to do that virtually and all of that. But again, I know many of us are looking forward to being able to do that physically. But we have that need. But notice also about that priority here is that when we do that, encourage one another daily. It's so that we'll grow. It's so that we'll stay close to God. And over in 1 Corinthians 12, that need for each other is talked about again. That whole chapter is just a wonderful illustration mm -hmm. about the body and all the parts and the, you know, every person's not an ear and not a nose and all those and, 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 and all those things. But, you know, its emphasis is we need each other. As Frank said, um, it's really important to make the church a family priority in our home. And habits are good to, to, um, to develop, and, right. and it's good to make that a habit. But I think it's also important to keep a heart of love and, and for our children to see that we're not just going to church because we have to, because it's a habit, not legalistically, but right. because it's something that we love and are grateful for. Um, you know, and I think, why is it important for us to keep that, that commitment to the church as a priority? I think of so many things that being a part of the church does for right. our families and for our children. You know, it's where we all learn to study the Bible. Right. It's where we learn to pray. It's where we learn to build relationships. It's where our children learn to love not only people like them, but people that are different Absolutely. from them. It's where we learn to forgive one another, right. uh, and it's where we learn to solve life's problems. You know, John 10.10 10 talks about Jesus giving us the, the abundant life, right. and I really believe that it's in the church that we both learn and live the abundant life, right. and we help our children to do the same. That's right. 
We've talked about some beautiful descriptions of what the church is, and we've talked about uh, the priority that it should have within our family's life and the purpose of it. But you know, sometimes the church isn't always a perfect place, and there are things that happen that we need to address and help our children address. And when we do that, we're actually really helping prepare them to become disciples and for their life within within the church. So we want to address a few of the situations that can happen that we can help our children with. The first is when there are conflicts. You know, when kids are little, there's going to be conflicts about things, and we basically tell them to go tell the other kid that they're sorry and to hug them, and, <laughs> and you know, and 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 they can be fairly simple. But when you get to the preteen and teenage years, those conflicts. Can can be uh, can be bigger ones, and they can involve um, purposely hurting each other and mm -hmm. some things that can be very negative. And we want to help our children resolve those conflicts. And notice how I said that we want to help them. That I would always encourage them to first try to work things out with the other child. And remember that your child may not be telling you the whole story. Mm -hmm. I think of Proverbs chapter eighteen, verse seventeen, it talks about when that that first person comes, he sounds right. But then when you hear the whole story, you may draw a different conclusion. And so you want to help your child with that. Sometimes that will involve getting together with the parents of the other child. But again, when you do, don't make, a, don't make assumptions. And you don't want conflicts that your kids have to become conflicts that you have with other disciples. So it's important to work those things out and to teach them how to work those things out. Right. That's so true. Um, I want to just talk a second then about worldliness in the right. church, and especially as it affects our preteen and teen ministries. Right. You know, the first thing is, don't be surprised. Right. The children at that age are not disciples for the most part, and so uh, there, there will be worldliness. They, they, there may be some drawn to the world. So what are some things that you as a parent can do? Right. You know, we've talked on many occasions about encouraging your children to have right. friendships, uh, both in the kingdom, mostly, hopefully, and out. Um, but it's also important for us as parents to know our children's friends. You know, whether our children's friends are inside or outside the church, don't assume that they're all good influences. Right. Um, be sure you understand and know who those, those friends are. And then second, know, know how your child feels about these friendships. You know, friendships uh, of groups of, of good friends can have a lot of fun, be supportive, right. loving to one another, and that's great. But cliques, groups of friends that become exclusive, can be really hurtful, and that's a worldly kind of friendship right. that, that we don't want our children to be a part of. You know, I think it's so important for us as parents not to be naive. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Right. And we need to both recognize that ourselves and help our children learn right. that. You know, through the years, we've seen parents react in different ways to worldliness in their own children. Some parents are in denial uh, about worldliness in right. their child's character. And, and they don't uh, help their children to address it or recognize it. And this can do long-term damage to a child's spiritual well-being and growth. On the flip side of that, there's some parents that can see that worldliness, 
but they react very harshly and put restrictions on their child that, that end up driving their child to deceit or secrecy and a continuation of right. that bad behavior. So I think it's important for us as parents, as we teach our children about godly living, to find a balance where we teach and train and talk, but to do it with wisdom and in love. That's right. That's right. We also wanted to talk about what may happen when your ministry leaders make mistakes. Um, we love Rodwell and Ocilia to death. Um, uh, but, you know, even they <laughs> no, might have them. made a mistake no, once or twice so. <laughs> in their lives. And certainly with the volunteers that help within a teen ministry, we love the teen workers that worked with our girls during the time they were coming up through school. But, you know, there's sometimes where things that those 20, 25-year-old um, did that weren't the decisions that we would have made. And so there may be mistakes that are made. And it's real important that you have an open communication with your child. And when they suddenly go silent about things mm -hmm. that are happening, or when they're afraid to tell you yeah. about something, be sure that you have that connection and communication about it. We've known situations where where children, particularly teens, have been treated harshly yeah. or been treated in a judgmental way. And that's really affected their view for years in some cases right. about the church. And so you want to be involved. And that, again, is the principles of conflict resolution, of going directly to those people. And again, not assuming that you've heard the whole story from your child, but going and being sure that those things are talked through, that when you work in partnership with team leaders and others within the ministry, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing that um, that team workers and, and peers, they're able to say things to your kids that often you can't say, or at least haven't received in the same way, mm -hmm. but you want there to be that partnership that's there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the final thing we wanted to talk about was what happens if our child doesn't want to come to church anymore? Right. That's a question that we've gotten a lot. And, you know, I think it's important to recognize that every child has their own journey that right. they have to walk with God. Some children embrace a faith very early and are baptized at a relatively young age. Um, others become apathetic as they get older and even hostile to the church. Right. And then there are circumstances where children are baptized and then leave their faith in God. And we actually had one of our daughters do that, which right. was probably one of the most heartbreaking, difficult things that we ever went through. She is back and faithful now, so we are very grateful for that. But you know, when children are very young, um, you know, when they're young, maybe up to early teens, they are still under your household and they are still under your in your home and under your authority. And I think as parents, we are it is it is okay right. to continue to insist that they come to church with you. Um, hopefully we do that with love and compassion and teaching. Yeah. But at that age, I would say yes, they, they need to come. But when our kids get older, maybe the finishing or completing, um, nearing completion of secondary school, starting to take on adult responsibilities, we need to we need to um, respect the opinions they have and the decisions that right. they make about God. What's really important when that is 
the case, especially if they make a decision that we would not have made, is to keep the lines of communication right. open. Don't don't isolate them. Keep talking. Keep keep that connection there, um, and be sure not to make your love conditional on their spiritual right. status. Right. You don't withdraw love. God has been unconditional in His love to us, and we want to be the same way to our children, no matter where they are spiritually. And then finally, hold on to your own faith and your and your prayer life in 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 uh, praying for your child. Don't ever give up hope because everyone has their own journey and um, your child's journey, wherever they are, is not over yet. That's right. As we conclude, we want to stress how important it is to teach our children to value the church. Right. You know, we want them to, we want them to love it. We want them to be a part of it. But we need to model an honest love for the church. And what I mean by that is there's got to be transparency um, that's an age-appropriate one. When there are things going on, our kids are going are gonna to see that. When we're struggling or when situations happen that aren't the best, they're going to see it. Be honest about it, but it's real important that we don't run down the church or particular run down leaders or people in the church. In saying negative things about others in front of our church, in front of our children, really can cause harm to them. And again, saying things negatively about other people in front of others isn't good either. Again, that's the, the conflict resolution of going directly to them. But be sure you model for them um, holding the church in high regard, mm -hmm. holding it in a place of love that gives our children a vision of what it can be. You know, the funny thing for us is our children are now in roles that they're leading groups and having influence that our children really are. Um, for us, it's not only the future of the church, they're the present of the church. Yeah. And so, and so as as you get past that on to your children, you want them to love the church. So as we think now about and close this session out, we want to again give you a few questions to talk about within your group. The first one is we'd love for you to each list five reasons you love and cherish your local church. Take a minute, maybe talk about that with your spouse or a close friend and put down five things that you love about the church. And then secondly, we want you to think about how do your kids feel about the church and how can you help them feel more closely connected? And then thirdly, how has God or other people helped you work through difficulties or challenges you faced in the church? We love all of you. We pray for you. It's been wonderful for us yeah. to walk along the journey of parenting with so many of you. All the best to you. Love you. Bye-bye.